today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Yeah, I think speed has always been an amazing enabler for technology and for new business applications in general. So if you look at the internet speed over time increasing, think of how rich the internet experience and the content that we can deliver over the internet today versus you know when it launched and you're going up through dial-up and you're going using Prodigy or AOL and I'm dating myself there, but the amount of throughput that you can go and the speed of which you can go through was very limited. And so speed has always been this amazing enabler for new business applications. And what we see within payments is that sometimes the payment rails, which are often you know run by the central governments, have heavy infrastructure, oftentimes have to work to the lowest common denominator where you have a, a, a company like City who's in 95 markets and has a multi-billion dollar budget, but then you have a small mom and pop bank who also needs equal and fair access to that system. And so you need to make sure you build these things in a way that everyone can use it. And that oftentimes can slow down payments. And so it means that you have two-day processes, next day processes versus same day or same second experiences. And so with what we see with a bunch of our clients is the payment can actually slow down the delivery of a good or a service because it introduces a risk-based element where if you have a service delivered this second, but you don't see a payment for two days, there's a fraud vector there. And that's just not something that a lot of clients are comfortable with. So if you have a payment that's there in five seconds and you can deliver that service effectively in real time, it lets all of our really creative clients figure out new ways to, to monetize their business. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast, where we explore the future of financial services with an eye towards technology, new models, innovation, and changing expectations. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. One of the themes we've been charting over the past couple years is the impact of moving to a world defined by real-time financial services. Real-time payments aren't just a tweak, a turning of the speed dial. It actually changes value propositions, expectations, and risk management the financial services industry has with its clients, and that's both consumer and commercial. And what's also interesting is that as businesses become more global, the larger banks have moved in the opposite direction, for the most part backing away and entrenching themselves in specific markets. Citi remains one of the few that maintains its positioning of being global. And as a global organization, Citi works with businesses with global aspirations through its Treasury and Trade Solutions Group. TTS is a rising star in CEO Jane Frazier's plan to steer the bank forward. She actually called it a thing of beauty in a recent earnings call. I'm joined by Scott DeMassa, Managing Director and Global Head of Sales for e-commerce technology and communications at Citi. Scott has had an upfront and close look at the needs of global companies and what they're really looking for from their financial services providers. And speed seems to be near the top of all lists. We talk about the significance of speed in payments processing across different industries and how it can impact both clients and companies. Scott also shares what specific benefits he's observed when organizations prioritize speed in payment processing. We discuss the importance of multi-stakeholder partnerships in servicing global organizations and how FIs and fintechs can best collaborate. Our conversation is interesting in that it's about the present, but also the future of City itself, as the firm formulates messaging around being a global partner bank for fintech and other tech firms. Here's my discussion with City's Scott DeMassa. Great. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, thanks, Zach. My name is Scott DeMassa. Um, I am the global head of e-commerce technology and communication sales for Cities Services Group. So I have the uh, esteemed privilege of working with what I think are all of the coolest companies doing the coolest things around the world for 
the world's most global bank. So that's uh, that's what I do. And I do it out here in California, but you'll see me in New York, Sao Paulo, London, Singapore, China, all over the place. Clocking up a lot of miles, huh? Meeting with clients. Exactly. <laughs> you know, when I first read your title, I was like, wow, he does communications, technology, and e-commerce. And I was like, well, I didn't realize that those were the, the sectors that you covered, but that makes a lot more sense. Um, can you talk about um, the significance? We're here to talk about real-time payments and the move to real-time payments. So can you talk about the significance of speed and payment processing across these different industries that you cover and how it impacts your the clients and companies that you work with? Yeah, I think speed has always been an amazing enabler for technology and for new business applications in general. So if you look at the internet speed over time increasing, think of how rich the internet experience and the content that we can deliver over the internet today versus you know when it launched and you're going up through dial-up and you're going using Prodigy or AOL and I'm dating myself there. But the amount of throughput that you can go and the speed of which you can go through is very limited. And so speed has always been this amazing enabler for new business applications. And what we see within payments is that sometimes the payment rails, which are often, you know, run by the central governments, have heavy infrastructure, oftentimes have to work to the lowest common denominator where you have a, a, a company like City who's in 95 markets and has a multi-billion dollar budget. But then you have a small mom and pop bank who also needs equal and fair access to that system. And so you need to make sure you build these things in a way that everyone can use it. And that oftentimes can slow down payments. And so it means that you have two-day processes, next day processes versus same day or same second experiences. And so with what we see with a bunch of our clients is the payment can actually slow down the delivery of a good or a service because it introduces a risk-based element where if you have a service delivered this second, but you don't see a payment for two days, there's a fraud vector there. And that's just not something that a lot of clients are comfortable with. So if you have a payment that's there in five seconds and you can deliver that service effectively in real time, it lets all of our really creative clients figure out new ways to, to monetize their business. And obviously with the footprint that City has, um, I'd have to imagine that whenever you introduce cross-border, that's going to create some more complexity there, particularly with speed, right? Absolutely. So it's it's one of those things where in the in the banking world and with City in particular, we have a direct access to clearing systems in 95 different countries. That's 250 clearing systems. And for those who aren't familiar with clearing systems, it's think of like checks, which are a thing in the U.S. Thankfully, they're not something outside of the U.S., generally speaking. Um, ACH, so uh, a low value payment that you're getting paid tomorrow or the day after, and then instant payments or a wire or something that's going kind of instantly. And so wires can be anything from, you know, big company uh, just made a $200 million AI acquisition yesterday. That's going via wire. Your weekly payroll or monthly payroll is going via ACH. And so cities in those 250 clearing systems and because of that, we're able to actually use our accounts in countries to let our clients facilitate those payments. So if we have a client that's in the US and they say, hey, we, we need to pay out in Israel, for example, uh, we can fund that from their US dollar account and then pay out an Israeli shekel using a city account in country. So instant payments gives you the ability to use bank infrastructure. In this case, that's a proprietary product for a city called WorldLink. But we can do that in 30 seconds or less now um, and make sure that there's good value in that account because the clearing systems have caught up and you know we've got our own infrastructure that we can use on the back end. That makes a lot of sense. And um, given the sectors that you cover, Scott, I'm curious, like obviously you said they're the cool sectors and they are, it's not by, um, it's not fortuitous that these are like three sectors that where, where payments you know, are probably the most advanced in terms of moving to, to real-time payments. I'm curious what you see across your clients, across the industries, like 
what happens when organizations prioritize speed in processing? Um, can you see the you know the winners and the losers based on that? Is that is that is that a, a a factor that would differentiate sort of those types of companies? Absolutely. Like if you've ever had you know the, the world like the word contextual commerce um, and that phrase gets thrown out a lot, and there's some really great examples out there of like. Pinterest is one where you have a creative experience and a, a discovery experience, and then you just click on it and it immediately pulls you into a, a commerce experience or a payment experience. And Instagram has done the same thing. Like, you know, I was looking at, uh, you know, cooling weighted comforters, um, cause I'm a hot sleeper. Right. And so like click it. And then I have this amazing experience with the brand and then I click it and then magically I, it's like shows up in a day and I even realized made a purchase, which is, which is great because there's no friction in that experience. And the traditional one that everyone uses is the Uber ride sharing experience where you just walk in and out of the car and the payment just dissolves into the background. And so what we found is there's really an elasticity of demand for uh, different services if the payment fades to the background. And so we as consumers, we want to experience something and we want it. But then you have that additional check of, okay, I have to pull out my card, the card fails, the, you know, the payment fails, okay, I'm second guessing this, even though I want it, do I really want to do it? And so you have a, a pretty high dropout rate when you have a payment issue. And so you're seeing the clients really invest in this and have multiple fail saves and multiple different ways to pay that they're able to increase their, their top line. And, you know, we talked a little bit about instant payments earlier, but those instant payment systems, they get charged cents, not per cents. And so credit cards are great. They're ubiquitous. They have all these services in them, but maybe you just need settlement and maybe you just need the movement of money. And so that's where an instant payment, if you have it in your collection experience, that costs you cents. It's not per cents. And it oftentimes is a way that um, some consumers want to pay because not everyone has a credit card around the world. India is the classic example um, where you have, you know, 1.2, 1.3 billion people. And the percentage of people in India who have a credit card and use that for e-commerce is, is incredibly minor compared to the UPI system, the instant payment systems that exist. Um, I'm also curious, you mentioned sort of the, some of the in-house technology that you've built, and I, I assume you work with, you know, partners in, in, in country. Um, can you talk about some of the processes and technologies that enable instant payments um, to operate seamlessly within cities' global operations? Absolutely. I mean, we've we've had this amazing journey over the last few years where, as you can imagine, over time, you don't become a 95, 96 country bank just by organically growing over time and you know having everything perfectly integrated. So City was created by a mix of acquisitions and organic growth and all sorts of other things. And in some of these markets, we've been in there for 100 plus years, you know, or a 200 plus year old bank. And so you have a lot of last mile systems that we've candidly had to move things out of and pulled up into these top global systems to do more of our processing at the top level. And so it was really a story of data and it continues to be a story of data is how do you pull all that data from those 95 countries put that in data lakes at the top layer and then have that all be uh, uh, microservices enabled through that through API connections so that we can just pull data out there to do payment processing, to do sanction screening, to provide beneficiary validation services. And so pulling a lot of that um, features and functionalities from those last mile apps into that top level infrastructure so we can candidly just be a lot more intelligent about it. So that's a that's a multi-year journey for us. That's our number one investment area for all of the services business for TTS that I'm a part of. Um, and that's that's a huge area of focus because that's what our clients want. They want the data available um, instantly and they want it now. So the payment execution is just the start of the journey, really like 
Did it go through? When did it go through? If it rejected, what was the reason why? So you can have that really quality customer service experience where our clients are talking to their customers and saying, hey, it didn't go through. Looks like your bank account number was wrong. Do you want to go check that? And then we'll reinitiate the payment versus the old world, which was no one gives that customer any proactive notification. Then they go on X or they go on Instagram and they're like, "Ah, this company's ripping me off. Like, you know, whatever, and you know, everyone's minds jump to the worst place. Um, so we're able to have those types of data experiences. So it's the payment execution is one part, but the data experience is the other, which is where we've invested a lot of our, our money, time, and energy. With that money, time, and energy, I guess, how heavily do you lean on building stuff in-house versus partnering? How do you think about that? So it, it, it's a great question. So obviously you've got like the great cloud providers out there in the world. So cities not- Don't need to recreate the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So where there's best in class, like we're we're using it and bank grade security is a real thing. And so you go to best in class providers who know how to work in the space. Um, and then we work in close partnership with our regulators to make sure what we're delivering is safe and secure in the ways that it needs to be. And if you look at our proprietary products, you'll often find that we've got a we've got a build by partner strategy, which is a huge change from like 10 or 15 years ago when all the headlines were like fintechs are killing the banks and, you know, the banks are being dismantled by all the fintechs. And what we really found is like, I'll say 10 to 15 years ago, it was fintechs were picking off kind of the high value areas. Banks were trying to build those in house and it was really a defensive game. But then the fintechs, let's say they launch in the United States they had a really hard time scaling outside of the really easy markets in like Western Europe. And so then you have the banks and city in particular, we're in 95 countries and we say, okay, we'll become an equity investor in you through our venture capital arm, City Ventures. We will then use your product in our stack. And so we'll go from one market to 50 markets and then we'll give you our backend services from a payments perspective so that you can scale from one market to 50 markets. And so it went from a really a build to a uh, partner strategy. And of course, buy is still you know in there, but it's got to be the right investment at the right time. And I have to assume like there that's a muscle, right? Like learning how to do that and do that at scale and doing that across countries. Because it's really interesting because you're acting both as a, a client and distributor of your partners, right? Like, so um, what are some of the learnings, I guess, that you guys have picked up from, from having that experience working with fintechs um, to do what you guys do best and to allow them to do what they do best? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And so we've thankfully have been on the front lines with some of these, even though we've got great people at City who actually lead. We have formal partnership functions. We have a formal venture cap arm. And then they bring in experts from the business. And so mm -hmm. myself being able to represent e-commerce, tech and comms and having a variety of roles basically in that nexus over the past, uh, over the past 10 years have been a party to a lot of these conversations. But one is just, having those bespoke teams that really drive it and really mm. making sure that you have teams that understand how this works, how our infrastructure works, what does partnering look like? What does integration look like? Because the greatest capability set in the world means nothing unless if you can actually implement it and extend it. And with a company like City, you know, that infrastructure journey that we're on, you know, that's a, that is a journey. Um, and so being able to in integrate with fintechs and being able to do that in a really seamless way that helps our clients and in a cost effective way is really important. So understanding what we can do, what we can't do, understanding who we are and who we aren't. And then just going through that process, like I remember I was in Roosevelt, Roosevelt Island. We we hosted a fintech day like a decade ago in New York City. It's a really cool space. It's like in the East River, mm -hmm. in between um, in between Brooklyn um, and Queens and Manhattan. 
And we had like 20 fintechs come in, present, 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 present. It was great. And I remember it's like the debrief conversations that were all enthusiastic and it was phenomenal. And I look at that where there's a lot of like super excited things, but like the questions we were asking weren't really that sophisticated and all these things. And then I look now with those same types of conversations with the structures and the people and everything that we have around it. And it's a totally different ballgame. And so it's it's really just having that iterative experience of knowing what we need to go after and then knowing what we're candidly capable of internally. I think that's also a skill, knowing what, what you're good at and and what you're going to pass on. And I remember those conversations of, you know, David versus Goliath and these fintechs coming. It, was, it wasn't a narrative. It was a narrative we tried very hard not to perpetuate because it was very clear that the fintechs couldn't displace banks and banks needed fintechs as well. Um, and what, what's interesting to me is with with a company as big as, as Citi, um, your entire ecosystem is like its own economy. So I'm kind of curious if you're seeing some macro level effects and implications of adopting instant payment systems on the industry and the broader market. Yeah, absolutely. So like a couple of really cool ones are people want to get paid faster. And before that wasn't really possible. And so you're talking about if if you as a customer, so I'm, I'll talk from a city lens. So our client has customers, right? And so they're using our payment services. Um, our clients are to service their customers. And so if their customer says, I want to be paid whenever, however I want to, our client would then say, that's great. I can pay you tomorrow. And so the shortest time period between that impulsive action from their customer to when they can actually fulfill that, even if they try really, really hard without taking some kind of you know, risk or something that they probably don't want to expose them, themselves to, it'd be a day. And so you have that marker where like you look at the ability to get paid instantly, where if you're in one of these uh, marketplaces and you're in a, a, a ride sharing company or a home sharing company or a services company, you can now say someone's on the road and they're like, I want to get paid now because I don't have money to fill up my car with gas and I want to keep driving for your company. And so they can do that and they can facilitate that experience for that individual. So our, our clients, customers are in control of that experience. So that's one of them where they just, that's like an example where they can roll out instant payments to say, okay, that once a week payment cycle doesn't work because this person's running short on money. And so we've now enabled that person to get paid whenever, however, because that person knows when they need to get paid better than some big international company does. And so the more power we can give to the customers, our clients' customers, the better. So that's one is that speed provides optionality for our clients' customers. The other is costs. Like my, my favorite example is why does an app cost 99 cents? Generally speaking, like why do we decide that was like the minimum cost for an app? You have the freemium model and all those kind of things. But like largely that's because the payment type that we use to pay for an app is a credit card and paying for anything less than 99 cents on a credit card is too expensive because the credit card is great. It's got insurance. It's got loyalty. It's got fraud protection. It's got all these different things in it. But if you're a repeat purchaser on your phone through the app store and it's the, the product is IP, like it's code. And so the cost of a return and everything like, you know, software, huge development costs, but then it's a royalty model. So you hit that development cost. And then your, your ongoing risk from there um, because of some of the new returns is, is not super high and for provisioning that service. So what would our customers do if we lowered the cost of an app to 19 cents or 29 cents? You can create this entire ecosystem of microservices apps, which the super apps in China and other markets in Asia have already done. But for the most of the Western world, it's like 99 cents is kind of your entry point or 
you've got to buy a skin or some in you know freemium model in order to, to really do it. And so that's the other one where is as we push down the cost of payment and just make the cost of payment a settlement thing, I'm really excited to see like what a 29 cent app looks like and what are the microservices that that whole new ecosystem and breed of apps could deliver. You mentioned earlier in one of your answers, uh, Prodigy and AOL, you were dating yourself. But I remember those days too. And and the promise of micropayments really, maybe it was around content consumption. So instead of subscriptions for media companies, you know, you'd pay per article that you ingested, but you would need to have a very efficient system to be able to do that. We And obviously we haven't seen that yet. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gladdened and by, by your uh, excitement about that. Um, what about um, some of the challenges and opportunities that arise when financial institutions like City transition to instant payment systems? I, I, I have to under, I have to, I make an assumption that it opens you up to a lot of new sort of new, new flows and, and new uh, opportunities and challenges. And how, how, how have you guys navigated successfully so that you, you know, if someone looking in could learn from that? I think there's is a great question and there's two parts of it. It's one, the instant payment flows are largely business to consumer B2C payments and less so business to business payments. And so that creates a higher level of scrutiny, right? Mm -hmm. And so whenever you have a business to consumer payment, if you have a delay of three hours, like we're all creatures of habit. And so like I expect my payroll to hit my account every other Friday at 8 a.m. And if it shows up at 11 a.m., which is in this, you know, the service level agreements for any clearing system, me as a consumer, I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is this is not right, right? So maybe I'm going on social media, maybe I'm going whatever. Maybe I email the CEO of my company and my payroll department gets in trouble, right? And so when you're in these ecosystems where you're giving someone effectively payroll, but it's, you know, third-party contractor services and things like that, when things aren't incredibly consistent and delivered in the same way every single time, 100% of the time, it's the the margin for error is like zero and, and a fail is viewed with a much tighter lens than a b2b payment where a b2b payment you're delayed by three hours you call up that company's ar department you're like hey you know our server's on fire uh, we'll get you the payment tomorrow they'll be like yeah sounds good like see it then not a big problem um and so the stakes are just that much higher um for these types of payments to make sure that when you do have something, you're not talking like 95% success rates, you're talking like 99.9, 99.99. You're talking about needing like proactive monitoring of what beneficiary banks are down so that you can proactively say, hey, don't don't make payments to bank one, two, and three in Australia because they're currently down and any payment we try to make via instant payments because it settles in five seconds it's not going to go through. And that's going to be a negative customer experience for our client's customers. So that level of, of stakes and that level of data exchange is incredibly important. And then the speed of it is also tough, right? Like when you have multiple windows, like the way batch payments work, like ACH payments, you have multiple windows that you can clear. If you miss one, generally speaking, you can hit the next and it doesn't impact the value data, the transaction, like instant payments, generally speaking, settle in 30 seconds or less. So there's no like secondary window to hit if you have like a little snafu that someone filed the magenta form in the, you know, the fuchsia category. That's awesome. I know we have time for one last question. Um, you, you mentioned, Scott, in, in your, um, I guess in, in one of your answers that about push payments. And I'm wondering if that's like one of the early use cases that you guys are seeing emerge on your end um, for real-time or close to real-time payments, the push payments, disbursements, you know, is and it, to me it feels like that it feels like a controlled environment um where the responsibility is on on the payor uh is, is that one of the first use cases and, and how do you see like sort of 
the evolution of use cases evolve? Yeah, I think the push payments is, it's definitely the more controllable one. And so that's the one that we've seen the biggest adoption. I mean, if you look in the United States, like you can get paid via PayPal or Venmo with an instant payment. That's an option for everyone. Um, Uber drivers in a number of countries can click pay me now. And then, you know, that goes out to them. The early wage know, access example that you were providing before also. Yeah, Ex exactly. And so like those are, are pretty easy, right? They're not easy, but they're controllable because you're the one who's saying initiate that payment and it gets pushed out. Where actually I'm most excited is you look at some of the clearing systems like PIX in Brazil and UPI in India. And it's it's the request for payment, and so those systems are now being built, and they're and everyone's sharing information, and governments and clearing systems are sharing information, which is phenomenal because we're all going to get better on this. Like you know, faster payments in the UK was here; they've continued to evolve it. UPI in India is here. Picks for Brazil is going to be here. Prompt Pay in Thailand's here. Like all of these systems are building on each other, and so the collections angle is what I'm most excited about because you can actually go in. And like I was, I was in Sao Paulo in uh, in April, and Pix is just for people who haven't looked at, it, like check it out. Like Pix in Brazil is phenomenal, and the and Brazil's done an amazing job on this. Like in one year, the adoption, like beyond hockey stick, like it's been insane. And so I'm driving to the airport, and I'm in the back of the car, and there's a guy on the street selling chicle, like candy, right? And he has a QR code on his T-shirt. You literally just scan the QR code and then pay him like you know forty cents U.S. equivalent. And he gives you candy and it's all in picks. And so I'm able to push a payment to him, but he set up a collection solution where he doesn't have to exchange cash. He doesn't have to do a credit card. He's doing whatever. And it's being used by everyone. Like that's how simple it is. So that's the one I'm most excited about is the request for payment, the collection side of that, and having multiple models that our clients are going to be able to use with their customers to be able to do that. Whereas it could be scan a QR code. It could be like within an in-app experience, but really having a credit card alternative for some of these markets for candidly people who don't have credit cards or don't have the means to collect from a credit card. So that's the one I'm most excited about. It's also the most challenging because as you can imagine, there's pretty high expectations that customers have when they're, you know, doing a, a collections experience. And we need to make sure we meet those or else we're going to build something that just no one uses because it's it's not that beautiful, natural experience. We'll definitely keep our eye on that space. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is, this is phenomenal. Always happy to talk with fellow payment geeks. <laughs>